How are you, Alex? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. So uh, can I assume that you are in the Hunter Valley right now? I am indeed, yeah. Great. And after the picture you sent me this morning, it looks like you've been uh, very early to work. Yeah, yeah, no, wonderful day. We've uh, got a little bit of sending off this morning. So, uh, you know, glory be to the hunter, the greatest variety and region in the world, surely. There is, absolutely. Look, so I feel that I feel a, a bit of a, a special uh, a special bond with Briar Ridge because I'm I'm a Tamworth girl. So mm. I grew up going to the Hunter Valley and I lived in, lived in Sydney for many years. So Hunter Valley was my stomping ground and I just love it. And Briar Ridge, I went on my very first ever Hunter Valley trip on my first day. I went to Talavira Grove and Briar Ridge mm -hmm. and talk about two beautiful, you know, a beautiful way to start. So I've been drinking your wines for many more decades than I should probably even admit. Um, but I'd like to hand the reins over to you to uh, to give us an update on what's going on uh, with your wines. You know, what, what are you planting these days? What's working well with the vintages? Give us a bit of a story of Briar Ridge. Yeah, cool, no worries. Um, I mean, so Briar Ridge, as you know, is it's about 50 years old, so it was, begun in 1972 um, and it was originally I guess founded by a small like called Murray um, and his whole concept of the whole thing was to have a really small vineyard where the plantings were at maximum 20 hectares just to ensure that you can maintain quality and focus on classic varieties for the region right um, kind of in the 80s John Davis the the, the current owner um, purchased the property from Murray and he brought Carl Stockhausen on board. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Carl, but he was a, a wonderful bloke. I was very fortunate to sit next to Carl at a 150 semion tasting, uh, the lunch uh, after it, after the Legends dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, he was absolutely spectacular. He passed a few years ago, and I do know that you worked with him for a few years in my research. So, yes, tell us all about him. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's one of the unspoken heroes of the industry. You know, he was mm -hmm. the winemaker for Lindemans in the 50s and 60s and through to the 80s. And, um, you know, in that period of time, he made two of Australia's top 10 best red wines, right? They've been 3100 and 3110 still to this day. Rare, collectible, iconic unicorn wines, right? Um, but he's he was such a, a kind and gentle soul um, and so willing to share his wisdom and his knowledge and, and just have a bit of fun, which was always what I took away from from. I guess my experiences with him, but when he came on board with Briar Ridge, um, it was kind of, I guess, a way to empower him. He had been kind of disenfranchised by the whole corporate aspect of the of the wine industry, you know, takeovers and, and loss of jobs and all that kind of stuff. So when he came on board, there was like a, a reinvigoration, a passion for wine. And so the next 10 years saw some of Briar Ridge's most successful years. Incredible show record, wonderful wines that even now look spectacular. Um, mm -hmm. And then we've kind of gone through a brief period where Neil McGuigan came on board. He was a part of the business um, with John Davis and bits and pieces. It's chopped and changed various winemakers over the years, obviously. But I guess ultimately my point there is that there's been a lot of really classic historical figures involved in this business. Um, oh, yeah. and, and that's definitely, I guess, framed the ethos of the business in terms of its longstanding history. So even now we still do focus primarily on those classic varieties for the region. So Savion, mm. Chardonnay, Shiraz. Um, but I guess the style has changed a little bit. Certainly in terms of my approach to winemaking, that's a little bit different. But more so than that, we've begun to experiment with obviously new plantings of alternative varieties, Iberian things like Albrino, 
a um, bit of fiano, um, all, all things that are, I guess are more drought tolerant, more resistant to disease pressures, things that we can farm in a slightly more sustainable way, um, less inputs um, and also less winemaking inputts. You know, really interesting mm-hmm. wines with greater texture, really built for, I guess, the Australian dining scene as well. Mm-hmm. So I actually, um, reading about you and and where you've been and, and all that jazz, I mean, clearly like you're, you're, you're taking the reins over, will that truly change because you'll be putting in your own, your own thoughts and your character and of course you are minimal intervention sort of style. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does that sort of get, uh, you know, how do you start that involvement? I mean, it's very important to remain some form of consistency across a brand, of course, and and what Brian Ridger was first started as. So how do you find that you can bring your own character and everything that you want it to become into the wines without losing what Briar Ridge is all about? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think that the whole category of minimal intervention, I think, sometimes gets a bit of a swayed view. I think sometimes people think that it's something that's not necessarily, um, I guess, that it, it, it not necessarily embodies. Um, my view of minimal intervention is that good attention to detail in the vineyard um, and careful and gentle handling ultimately results in less requirements for additions. Yes. Um, so I think that obviously, and, and there's many growers like this in the Hunter these days where, you know, making sure you really get that precise, I guess, viticultural detail in so that when the fruit comes in, it's at the right sugar, it's got the right flavour, but also that chemistry balance is right. Um, yeah. And, and so in terms of, I guess, maintaining the style, there's not been a shift in terms of, I mean, the wines are certainly not cloudy. They're still, you know, that pristine classic Hunter Valley style. I guess yes. the Yep. The, the style change has been more about getting a little bit more texture into these wines. Um, I guess re-embracing some of those techniques um, and stylistic tweaks that were more reminiscent of wines being produced in the 1950s and 60s. Um, and I guess certainly more reflective of these great varieties' origins in their European counterparts. Yes, yes. Do, are you finding that certain varietals, it's easier to um, produce excellent quality with minimal intervention than others? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you know, Chardonnay is obviously one of the great examples of that. I mean, you can walk into a cellar in Burgundy and you can watch them crush fruit um, and, and it can horrify you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> you can bring that to the hunter. And I think, again, in terms of just making sure you get that fruit quality right in the vineyard, you can bring that in, gently press it in, in our lovely little small press that we have there, um, straight into barrel and away you go. And I think ultimately you find that you can retain that pristine, pure, untouched juice to wine for about 12 months without any additions, just through stirring, just using leaves to protect against oxidation. You know, all, all these little details that I guess ultimately add up to um, increased texture and interest, but also preserving freshness as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, it's it's quite funny, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about pet gnats and talking about you know minimal intervention. They're, they're all very different things, but natural wines. It's definitely a phenomenon. People are really loving that less preservatives, less hangover, however, however you view it. Um, but you know, it's it is it's a different take on winemaking, isn't it? It's not it's not the age old way. Well, actually, let's go back. It is the age old way of doing it before it then became a little bit more, uh, more hands on. I guess. 
guess it's probably the best way to say it. So it's quite interesting to see that it's just that's the way it's happening everywhere. Now let's talk about some of the varietals that you've got. Because you, I, as I've said, I love your wines. I've never had one of your Viognier's, which is one of my absolute favourite varietals. And I know that you've got a limited release 2022 right now. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, Viognier is also one of my favourite grape varieties. You know, Condrieu is um, deliciously decadent and powerful and rich and concentrated and textural. You know, what, what more could you want from a grape variety? Right? Um, we're quite fortunate, actually. So Xavier, who was just on your show, he's, he's a wonderful bloke. He was actually um, a guest lecturer at the Master Wine Seminar last week that I was attending. So um, really great there to get advice. Um, but we have a vineyard nearby, um, his career's vineyard. Um, and from that, we take a small amount. So it's basically two and a half tons of Viognier. So it's the family owned, and then we bring it yes. up, we whole bunch press it here. Uh, for me, I guess the style is, I guess, recreating Condrieu. So it's 100% new French oak. Um, it's stirred, it's wild yeast fermented. It's left on yeast leaves for about 10 months before bottling. It's not fined, it's not filtered. It's just naturally clarified and put into bottle. Um, but what is so great about it, I think, as Xavier was kind of, uh, I guess, speaking to earlier, is that that region with its inexhaustible supply of beautiful limestone chalk and underneath mm. water means you get these really lovely natural low pHs. So you get freshness as well as decadence. And I think that's what makes yes. it actually slightly better than contrary. Yes, yes. Okay. You, you've certainly, um, uh, you have worked with some great people. You worked at Tyrrell's, right? Uh, when I first started in the industry, yes, yeah, 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 they were a wonderful family to work for. Oh, they're, yeah, they're gorgeous. Um, I have uh, I've spoken with them quite a lot. I'd love their work. Love their Semillon. So how? So given that Semillon is the Hunter flagship varietal, you own it, you do it amazingly. How do you how do you make your Semillon? What's your ideal Semillon? I mean, much like everyone else, I think that, you know, Tyrrells certainly are the benchmark. Those wines are so pure and they speak of place. Um, and I think that is something that the Hunter Valley does so well. Um, and I certainly don't try to stray too far from that. I, I certainly believe that these wines really should tell a story of where they come from. You know, for us, Briar Ridge is the highest vineyard in the Hunter Valley. It sits about 180 metres above sea level. And I think that what that gives to our wines is a slight muscularity, a, a slight um, stony slatiness. And I really try to, I guess, accentuate that character. Um, so whilst many producers will whole bunch press and they'll clarify their juices um, and they'll certainly remove them off solids pretty early to get those really crisp fruit-driven beautiful styles. Um, I tend to embrace, I guess, slightly more solids through ferment to get a little bit more of that flinty, stony, struck match kind of stuff. Um, yes. And retain on yeast leaves a bit longer as well. But I guess one of the, the major changes for us has been um, a recent vintage that I did in the Rheinhessen with a company called Gundelok. Um, and the result of that is, you know, I guess more of a shift towards, I guess, some of these Germanic techniques, which were very popular in the 50s. Um, mm. And the use of really quite large old neutral oak casks as well. So we're just building up more texture, more complexity, more of that really lovely savoury components to the wine. So they're still pure and driven, but they're just a little bit more richer and textural. Yes. Okay. Well, they sound amazing. How, how's the vintage shaping up for you guys? Uh, look, it, it started pretty interestingly, obviously. So mm -hmm. it's um, whole southeast coast, very, very wet, obviously. So flowering um, was pretty interesting. So we're, we're probably down about 40% in terms of yields as a result of that. Um, mm -hmm. But what has kind of come of this is that we have this elongated season. This is probably the latest harvest that I've certainly seen 
in probably the, the, the nine years that I've been in the Hunter. Um, and that means that you get this great long hang time. So natural acidities, beautiful fruit development in terms of flavours, um, great phenolic ripeness. So there's something that came in today, which we picked two and a half weeks ago last year. Um, right. Ah, uh, Yes lovely limey juice fruit character but it's also got a natural ph of 2.85 like how yeah. is that <laughs> it's uh i mean xavier was just saying you know they're, they're running late uh, again as well and uh, i know mudgy especially last year they were so so late do, do you have much to do with mudgy is there any i mean you don't need to source grapes or anything from that region but do you have much to do with those guys uh not really i mean you know the Jacob Stein is, is a wonderful winemaker, and I certainly mm -hmm. try to taste those wines as much as possible. And kind oh, of yeah, great reasoning. Doing. Yeah, so, I mean, to that extent, in terms of community, absolutely, but, um, yeah, not, not professionally, I will say. Yeah, fair enough. Now, I would like to add, well, I'm going to blow your trumpet because you obviously haven't, but you won the Young Achiever of the Year Awards last year at the Hunter Valley Legends Awards. And that's, that's actually how it first came about that I wanted to uh, get you on. What what do you think it was? What is it that you are doing? What is it about you? And please don't be modest, that uh, that, that gave you that award. Oh, look, I mean, I, I certainly think that there are plenty of people in the Hunter of, of, I guess, my generation who are doing some wonderful things. I mean, you've got Ollie Margan, you've got Angus Vinden, um, you've got Alistair Talek and Brendan at um, Talek Wines. Uh, I was really fortunate, I suppose, to get that. But I think that what that really came down to is a little bit of pushing the boundaries, but a little bit of also trying to preserve the history of the Hunter. And I think that's kind of what was recognised. You know, for me... One of the things that seems to have been lost in the modern age is this reflection of where we've come from, you know, this this mm. fast-paced society that we have. And, and I just really want to take some time to reflect on where we've been and, and how we can actually, I guess, really create, it sounds a bit phony, but a, a brand identity for the hunter that's actually unique and reflective of where we are um, with diversity of expression. And I just think that's probably where it's come from. Okay, well, that was very, very well put. What do you think you can do with it going forward? Like, how, how long can you uh, can you can you stay on those coattails? Oh uh, well, I mean, you know, I feel very old already, but um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, coming off the back of that, so I'm currently in the Master of Wine program, and you know, next guest um, Rob Mack is as well. So, spent a lovely week with him, um, just the, this last couple of days. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of where we're going to next. So. Certainly the Young Achiever thing was is a wonderful um, initiative and I'm really stoked to have received that. Um, and on the back of a, another previous scholarship with the Hogley Wine Show, just recently did the AWAC as well. So it's just kind of been a good couple of years of really building on my technical knowledge and skills to hopefully make some slightly better wines. Yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant. So let's just uh, let's just to round off the interview. Let's do a bit of a sprig of the hunter. What are the what are the best restaurants at the moment? What are your favourites? You know, what, what what are people doing on a Saturday or a Sunday? I reckon best restaurants, Yellow Billy, Fork <laughs> Foods, and EXP. Um, and uh -huh. So I mean, for very different reasons. I think you know, if you want an absolute meat hangover, you go to Yellow Billy. And it's, it's, <laughs> yes, Mike uh, Daly suggested that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yes. EXP for that beautiful modern Australian cuisine and then, mm. you know, News Kitchen for just classic hearty luncheon there. 
Yeah, no, beautiful. Well, look, Alex, thank you so very much uh, for jumping on board. I know you're very busy. I'll I'll let you get back to uh get back to your stomping. Um, looking forward to seeing what happens in the next uh in the next few years with you because obviously yeah, people are really paying attention to you. And again, congratulations on your award. Um, it's definitely going to be worth watching. So it's it's time for me to get back to Briar Ridge. Easy. Thanks so much, Jill. Look forward to seeing you next. <laughs> Thanks. Time. Thanks, Bye. Alex.